Welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. And with me is my esteemed colleague, Anthony. Anthony. Good evening. So we have a show for you tonight, but first let's get all the, the niceties out of the way. Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. Josh Turner at PRTPodcast.com. That's how you get a hold of me. That's how you can send me your stories. Or if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, a lot of them just people just message me on Messenger and they send them through Instagram. Um, and I do, like I said, I have, they, some people still use my old email too. So I got a couple different emails. Um, and yeah, some of my friends that I've known for years and years and years, I have another email that they use. So <laughs> three, actually what four, I have four email addresses. So if you know them, you know them, there's two of them that are very public and you can get a hold of me through that through Facebook messenger, or you can go through, um, Instagram. Or you could tell me in person, like some people did at the conference. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though, folks. We are going to be uh, on the air right as of right now. We're still we're doing Tuesday night. We're, doing, we're dropping this as a pre-record. It's going to come out on Tuesday, and then we're we're going to be on Thursday again, another pre-record, and then on Friday we do the live stream, which is a YouTube exclusive. So if you're only listening to us on Spotify, you're missing out. Uh, this past uh, Friday, we had Marquetta Jones on talking about her dogman experiences uh, up in Michigan. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. And then Sunday, we're going to be retelling people's stories on the live stream, and we go for about three hours on average on the live stream. So you're missing out on a ton of content. If you're not in the live stream, you're missing out. And if you're just, and there's a lot of people that are just the podcast people, and that's fine. You know, you're just listening to the podcast. If you want to listen to the podcast on Spotify, that's great. You know, do what you got to do. Um, but ch- join us for Friday and Saturday, or Friday and Sunday, on the uh, on the live stream. And uh, as of this recording, um, I haven't done it yet. But once you're hearing this, if you go back on Saturday night and you go to Bigfoot Michigan Rob's channel. I'm I'm on there talking. Okay. So be sure and check that out. So last uh last week we were on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, if you count the Saturday with Bigfoot Rob. Yep. So check it out, man. And 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 it's funny because Friday we had Marquetta from Michigan, then I'm on Bigfoot Michigan Rob's show. So it was very Michigan y weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the story that I'm about to tell, the fir- the b- very beginning of it, it starts in Michigan. So <laughs> here we go. Now and and I know we told one um, about Dearborn. I think it was Amir's story. Was that was that last week? Uh, I I think it was. Yeah, I think his story was on there. I think last Tuesday, and that, he's from Michigan. Um, but um, I, I think it was not Tuesday. I think it was uh, the live stream. I think it was. We talked about him, but this one, this story here, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting, and I don't. Uh, where do I go from here with this one? This one's going to be, I don't know. Oh, l- one more thing. Don't forget about the Patreon. The Patreon, if you, if you haven't signed up, you you know, you know should. There's a $10, $20, $30, $40, $50 tier. Each tier gets you more swag, more stuff. $10 tier is a basic swag bag. Um, it takes two months and you get it. $20 tier takes one month and you get it. $30 tier is instantaneous. $40, $50 tier instantaneous. You get swag. $30 tier gets you an, an autographed book from one of many authors, plus a shirt and some swag. Um, then you get the $40 tier, which gets you one of my books and someone else's book. And then $50 tier gets you one of their books and both of mine. And they're all autographed. So, and you get a shirt. So it's a really good deal. It works out. It's a really cool thing to do. Uh, check out the, the the Patreon. It's a good way to support the show. Another good way to support the show is to show up on the lives on Fridays and Sundays. People ask me all the time how they can support the show. And you could do a super chat, which gets your comment highlighted, and you can make a donation to the show to help out. Uh, it helps keep the show going, for sure. We have the new hoodies in place now. The, uh, what are they, the zip-up hoodies? Yep. And so those are in the, in the store now, ready for, for fall, winter, whatever. That being said, let's get started. Like I said, the first story I'm going to tell is from Michigan. So it's a very, it's, it's interesting. There's a very Michigan-y theme going on here. Uh, this one was, and this one is interesting because it's right outside of Ypsilanti, which is where my brother 
his my my half brother's mother was from. So interesting that we, that we start off with that one, and this this one comes from a guy named Jason who was telling me a story. Now, don't really know what direction this is going to take. We, we we had four different categories we were going to choose from. Uh, one of them was mirrors. Another one was dreams. We talked about this on the live stream on Friday, and and another one was shadow people. And so I decided, I was like, you know, I really don't know which one I was going to get. The other one was Phantom Dogman Encounters. So this may be a mixture of all of them. It may end up being four episodes where they all are all just mixed together because I can't really separate one from the other. The dreams, that that's what this is. And I don't know what you would call this. Now, being that it, he's from Michigan and this one was in Michigan, it caught my eye that it was Ypsilanti. And so I was telling my brother, I was like, check this out. There's a guy from Michigan, so I showed him. Uh, Jason sent me a, a really powerful story about him and his brother, Ron. They had, what's, what's, what's really cool about this one, too, is it was very similar to an encounter that my wife and her sister had when they were children. And this happened to them when they were children. They were Irish twins, you know, like your brothers are. Yeah. They were born one year apart, and they were both born. Uh, one was born on the February 14th, Valentine's Day. The other one was born on February 15th. So it was very interesting. That's another weird synchronicity. Uh, they were seven and eight years old. And they lived out in the country, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere, um, basically the middle of nowhere, Michigan. And they had an encounter out there was something when they were young. Now, they're in their 50s now. Uh, I believe they're 52 and 53 or, or did he say 52, 53? Anyway, doesn't matter. The point is that when they were children, they had their mother and their dad separated and they, they lived with their mom <clears throat> by themselves on their grandmother's little farm. And they had some weird experiences, to say the least, in this house that was... I want. I don't. I don't want to call it haunted, like a haunted house, because it was. It was. It was really centered around a mirror. And originally, it was Ron that got in touch with me, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you've talked about uh, on your show about you living in a haunted house for ten years in Austin, in South Austin, and there was a mirror where a lot of activity was centered around." And he was correct. He said, "We, me, and my brother, and their cousin." who stayed there with them, you know, for a while. Their cousin was several years older than them, and she was sort of like adopted by their grandmother. And so they were living with their grandmother because their parents had separated. Their dad drank a lot, had a lot of problems with their mom. And so they could, she could never fully, like, leave him. He kept coming back into the picture, and every time he did, things just got worse and worse and worse. So finally, she went to go live with her mother, who forbade her from having anything to do with this guy. And it culminated with some really weird stuff that happened. One of the most terrifying things, I think, that, that they experienced was kind of like karma taking place right before their eyes. And I'll get to that in a minute. Don't, don't let me forget about that. But... uh yeah, the, the beginning of the haunting, if you want to call it that, was when their cousin, I'll call her Stacy, that's not her real name, I don't have permission to use her name, she told them, she's like, you know, basically like, welcome to grandma's house, this is basically a circus of weird stuff, and they had been there many times in the summer and spent a few days and had a couple weird things happen, but nothing like when they moved in. And the room that Stacy had was their mother's room when she was growing up. So it was very, uh, it was a very scary thing, very, very, because their mother had told them a little bit when they got older, when they were teenagers, the mother, they, they shared stories. And the mother was like, yeah, I went through hell living in that room. And there was something that there was a dresser that had a mirror on it. You know how those dressers they have the mirror, yeah, like the two piece dresser mirror, two piece dresser combo, mirror, yeah. yeah. And she said that this thing was old, even when she was a kid. And so this thing was really old. And she said that uh, her grandmother had it when she was a child. And her grandmother said nothing weird had ever happened to her there. She doesn't believe that because what. Jason and Ron told me about their mother tells a different story. She was sitting in front of it one time when she was like nine years old, 
and this was one of the most vivid memories. I'll start from the very beginning. There were several other things that happened, but this in particular she remembers very vividly, and she was brushing her hair. And now we were talking to a guy the other night at the gym who was talking about lifting weights and seeing himself in the mirror and things weren't matching up. <laughs> this is exactly what happened to the mother when, when she was combing her hair, brushing her hair. She was she noticed, you know, like when you lift up your right hand, it corresponds in the mirror to to the right. You see it. It's not yeah. flipped, you know. And so she's 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 notices that she's brushing her hair that she's using her opposite hand in the mirror. And <laughs> so you're sitting there brushing your hair and you think everything's fine and then you're like, "Wait a minute, my image is not doing what I'm doing." So she puts the brush down, and I thought this was very terrifying, and she sits there and she looks at herself, and as she leans into the mirror, her eyes went completely black. So the oh, mirror no. image was black-eyed, and so then when she goes to grab the brush off of the, the, the dresser, a hand came through the mirror and like grabbed her hand, and when she yanked it back and looked, all she saw was her image of her pulling the brush away. The hand wasn't there. So it was a really quick little thing, but it scared the crap out of her. So she ran and she told her mom and dad and her older brother teased her and was like, oh, you're seeing ghosts, whatever. And a couple days went by and they were outside talking to some neighbors who lived a couple miles down the road and they were selling eggs. And she said that they came by and their, their chickens had eggs and they were trying to make some money, you know. So they were buying some eggs and they were trading because they had a milk cow. So they were trading. Um, and those years ago, like back when people did that, you know, and her brother confided in one of the neighbors that they had a ghost in the house. And she was like, wait a minute, you've always made fun of me for that. And he's like, well, yeah, but I wanted to scare them. So she asked her brother, she goes, are you being serious? Is there really a ghost? And he's like, he grabs her by the arm and she goes, yes, there is. But mom and dad want me not to tell you and Sissy, which is her little sister. Yeah. We don't, they don't want to scare in particular her. She's very easily scared. And her sister had a heart condition. So it was very important for them to not. She's like, he goes, you can't say anything, but yes. And she's like, and then she said all these memories at one time just kind of came flooding back. One in particular was when she was sitting in the bathtub in the bathroom and she said something. <clears throat> this is what she told her sons, the ones that I talked to. Well, one of them I talked more than the other, but they at one time they were both on on the phone with me. But this thing was on the floor, and she was kind of splashing around in the tub playing as a kid. You know, they'd be playing the tub. Yeah. And she said she she splashes some water out, and she hears something kind of moving around in the water outside the tub. She stopped moving, and she was like, "What is that?" And she hears something kind of flopping around or slithering, as she said. She looks over the side of the tub, and there's this wispy image of what looks like a person with tentacles, really thin. Like tentacles for feet, for legs? Well, no, like tentacles coming off of it, like a person. Uh-huh. But it was like a person, like the head of a person, but instead of arms and legs, it had tentacles. Gross. And it was like, like the little suction cups and everything, and she could see, but it was wispy. She could see through it. And it was coming up onto the tub. She said it was about the half the size of a human, like a full-grown human being. Yeah. And she's a little kid, so she's terrified. And she starts screaming. And this thing... This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. He flops and gets into the tub with her. And she said it was the face of a, an old crone, like an old, like an old woman, like an old, you know. Yeah. And she was like, what am I looking at? You know, and she said that it was like, like laughing. And so her dad, her, her mom and dad come busting in the room or, or into the bathroom uh, I think she said she was like all of six years old, maybe, or something. And she told them about it, and they were just like, oh, okay, here you go with your imagination running wild. They were like, you're such an imaginative child, which in reality, she wasn't imagining any of this. This was what was happening. So 
the sons noted that she never really liked to hang out at, at the grandma's house. You know, when they would go, she would drop them off and say, I'll see you in a couple of days. Goodbye. You know, <laughs> and it was the, the grandmother told them point blank, you know, their grandfather had died a few years before when they moved in. And she said, you know, your mom never liked this house, but this house is very special to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the sons told me that, that almost immediately when they first moved in, like it happened quickly. Like it wasn't like, oh, a few days after we moved in, there was no honeymoon period. No. The very first night they were there, their cousin walked into their bedroom and was sleepwalking and was just sit, standing there at the foot of their bed. And they both stood, sat up in bed uh, and they looked and they saw that she was about two inches off the ground. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. And her mouth was wide open and she was like, her head was tilted up looking toward the ceiling. I'd rather sleep outside on the ground. Well, it's even weirder than that because when she turned, she walked out of the room, but her feet never touched the ground. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So it was like, there were two inches off the ground and she was, they were just like, what the heck? The next day at breakfast, they told their cousin, Hey, you know, this is what you did. And she was like, no, no, I don't remember that. You know, didn't, 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 but her dad was their uncle. That's the one that would make fun of their mom. And he was very stern. He would come by with his two sons who were very rough and, Kind of, they were older than them, and they would beat them up and pick on them and do all kinds of stuff. And the grandmother doted on the son. It was that was her only son. She had two daughters and a son, so he kind of got away with whatever. And he would mistreat the boys. And his daughter was living there with with um, with them because finding out years later that she was being abused by their by her, the the two sons. Yeah, they were his sons from a previous marriage, and she was uh, you know the daughter, and then her mother had passed away. Mysteriously. Really strange. I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, the, the two the two boys were not doing anything to her, you know, but they were they were mean. Like, they were very mean. They lit her hair on fire. Oh, man. I mean, they did all kinds of crap to her. I mean, they were just really mean. And they, and they would abuse them, too. And so they had to endure this when they would come over. All three of them would be abused physically by these two ruffians. Um, and this leads into something else. One day, uh, and I'm going to tell you, this was the most shocking thing that ever happened. This was about a week into their stay. Their their uncle, the really mean uncle that would come over. And they didn't really talk about him being so mean as his sons being mean and him condoning it. But he was in in the backyard and one of the boys had kicked their dog. You know, they had a dog that said his name was Red and he was in the backyard and he was tied up. They didn't let their dog normally didn't go tied up, but they they had to because he would he would be kind of aggressive. And these these teenagers were really mean, and they were in their early teens. They were like thirteen and sixteen or something like that. And they kicked one of them, kicked the dog, and the dog lunged at him. Um, when they were walking inside, they were laughing about it because they'd hit it with a stick and some other stuff. No wonder the dog was aggressive. Yeah, and, and so when they came inside, the the two the two brothers. Jason and Ron were trying to play video games. They just took the game from them and started playing with them, whatever, and just told them to, not, you know, go away, whatever. They remember seeing the this the one brother who was a red-haired kid, and he's like, dude, I just remember hating him so bad. This was what Ron was telling me. He's like and looking at his freckles and wanting to tear each one of them off his face. <laughs> and he said that I was sitting there thinking about something bad happening to him. He goes, then I see the back of his head go get yanked backwards when there's nothing there. He's like, and then he gets drugged by his foot and he goes from the living room into the dining room. And this kid turns around, he's kicking and screaming, saying stop. And then he, he's this look of horror on his face when he sees there's nobody there. And so this is their cousin, right? And, and then he's screaming and the other brother is just sitting there in shock and all of the kids, minus the one that's being drugged across the room, go running into the kitchen to tell grandma, hey, something's happening. And so she goes in there and the, that particular cousin, I'll call him Casey, she, the grandmother basically said, you know, like, one of y'all had to have done this. And even the kid, Casey, was like, no, nobody did this. Nobody grabbed me. There was no one there. Looking back on it years later, Ron said that he thinks, he was the older brother, he thinks that 
it was his grandfather disciplining him. He really thinks that. Casey was the younger of the two boys, the one that hit the dog with a stick. A heck of a way to discipline a kid. Yeah. Yank his head back and just <laughs> drag him by his ankles. <laughs> Could have just spanked him. <laughs> well, it taught him a lesson, though, um, because after that, that particular kid never messed, that, messed around with him or did anything again. And in <laughs> fact, refused to come over there with his dad. His dad would come and do, you know, the uncle would come and do like little maintenance things here and there. So one day, the, the uncle goes into the upstairs bedroom, which is his daughter's bedroom. And there is the mirror there with the, the dresser, whatever. And so the, he goes into the, uh, the bedroom and they hear this loud scream. So everybody goes running upstairs to see what's going on. At that point, their aunt was there too. And they were all up there. And the, the uncle was standing in the door, in the, in the doorway and his daughter was uh, basically laying on the bed just like screaming for help. And he's just in shock and he turns around and just walks away and just leaves his daughter there what? writhing in agony, whatever. Yeah. And his son goes to try to help, but whatever it is, it's, it's something that's holding her down. She can't move. She can't get, she can't get away. She can only move her head. It kind of latches onto him and he ends up on the bed too with her and they both are stuck there. And, the dad, it seems like he's like in really like in denial. Like he's not, he thinks that this is some kind of game or whatever. And he's like, I don't know what they're doing, man. They're just like, you know, they're acting out. And of course his mother just goes along with all of this. And these That's two terrible. boys, Ron and Jason are sitting there watching this happen. And they're like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And then finally, it's like, whatever it was loosened it. Hold on. You can say it would, it loosened the grip on her and it let her go, let him go. And then that boy, and I don't even know his name. I don't even know what it starts with. He runs out of the room and then he never comes back. So that solved that problem. The, and then later on, their cousin, the boy's sister, tells them when they're outside by this little creek or whatever, she tells them, she says, you know, that this happens to me all the time. There's something that comes out of that mirror. And sometimes it'll crawl on top of me and hold me down. She's like, I don't know what it is. She couldn't tell him, tell him. She just felt like it was like a force, you know. She couldn't describe it as being really like an entity. It was just like some sort of energy that would lay on top of her and wouldn't let her up. And then sometimes when she would try to get up in the morning to walk out of the bedroom, she couldn't walk past the doorway. Like it was like she would run into like what felt like a, I mean, the way they described it to me was like a force field, you know. Yeah, it's like a wall that you can't see. Wall of, yeah, you can't see like energy. She could see into the hallway, but she when she would try to put her hand or whatever to it, she said that it would look blurry. Like something was there, you know? Like a walking nightmare. Yeah. And so they're, they're, these two boys are witnessing all of this stuff. Well, one day their dad comes over and this was crazy. Now I've heard this a couple times from different people. Their dad shows up and this is where I was talking about karma really Real karma. Like he had beaten his mother, you know, and their uncle, who I guess he really wasn't such a bad guy because he ended up having to confront this dude and threaten him, you know, to be like, hey, don't touch my nephews. Don't touch my sister. You know, even though their dad was a much bigger, stronger guy, their uncle told him, I have a gun, you know, and I'll yeah. use it. Don't touch my family. But he was in a rage and he got drunk and he showed up over there. So they knew that when something happened that they were to call their uncle. So they called the uncle and said, hey, you know, dad's over here and he's threatening mom. She's in the back and he's trying to talk to her and he's getting louder and louder and more aggressive. He comes back inside and he's like, the, the mother's there yelling, telling him to get out. That's the grandmother. And the boys are scared. And he's like, come on, boys, get in the truck. I'm taking you home. And they're like, no, we're not going with you. So then he smacks the older, the older uh, boy, Ron. And the mom comes in there to defend him. He turns and goes to smack her. Well, mid-swing of his, of his fist, something, it looks like to the boys and the grandmother and the cousin that's there, that something knocks him off his feet and he goes flat onto the ground, onto the uh, linoleum on the floor and hits his face and busts his chin open and just 
gets blood everywhere. Serves him right. And so, yeah. And then he's, it, he starts like flying across the room like something is kicking him like a soccer ball. And he's sliding across the floor back and forth. So they're all witnessing this happen. And then he gets, and I've heard of stuff like this. And he gets up and it looks like he gets tripped. And they don't see anything. It's completely invisible. It's a poltergeist-like activity. And then he gets up and he looks around the room and he gets knocked over a table. And then he takes off running to his truck just as the uncle comes up and he's like, I done told you. And he like shoves the uncle down and just runs and gets in his truck and leaves. And then he never comes back. And that's it. And, and for the rest of their life, they only heard from him three times. For the rest of their life. And Ron's like, you know, I'm in my 50s. I've only heard from him three times in my whole life since then. So they never had to deal with him again. But you know how we talked about the enemy of your enemy is not always your friend. Oh, yeah. The enemy of your enemy a lot of times is just your enemy. And that's definitely the case with this entity because whatever this was, it got progressively stronger and it got progressively worse. And my opinion, this is not what they told me, but this is what I told them. And I'm going to tell you, the listener, the audience... I think that this poltergeist was attached to the to the teenage girl. I think that that's the, I think that happens quite a bit, and I think this thing was feeding off of her, and then to a lesser degree it was feeding off of them, and then the aggression and all the stuff that was going on, the little punk kids that were coming over and all that that was going on. So, and they were little punk teenagers too, but they refused to come back. So. This girl, she's living there with her grandmother, and then the dad says, you know what? I'm going to take you out of this environment. I don't want you to be whatever. So he's like, I'm going to let you have this last weekend here, but you need to come back to live with us. They had a stepmother that, that the kids didn't like, and the stepmother was very mean to her. She had this weird thing where like, her stepmother <clears throat> thought that she thought she was pretty or something. She was always like, you think you're pretty, you know, and being real mean to her, you know, like just for whatever reason because of that. And so I didn't talk to her, but according to what these guys told me, that it seemed like their cousin Stacy's stepmother was jealous of her. And, um, you know, according to them, the, the, uh, there was no abuse, like, from the uncle or anything like that toward her, other than, like, mental abuse, you know. He was verbally and mentally abusive to everybody. His sons, like, he let them just go way too far with stuff, you know, like when they lit her hair on fire, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, burned and melted one of her dolls. They like to play with fire. And ultimately, they ended up like like starting a house on fire, like a neighbor's house or something that didn't burn it down, but they caused a lot of problems. Oh, who'd have thunk it? And, you know, when you let kids act like that, that, you know, that's what happens. But the, the scariest thing that happened to them besides watching their dad get pummeled, which they had to admit it was a little bit satisfying, Jason was uh, in the playing with the uh, – they were playing Monopoly, but they were playing with uh, in the in the daughter's or the cousin's bedroom, where the mirror was, and they hear this tapping on the mirror or coming from the mirror. And Jason said he stands up, and Ron had gone to the restroom, and they had a neighbor friend over that was playing with them, and they he looks in the mirror, and he sees himself, but he notices his reddish blonde hair is dark, and he he looks around, he thinks this is a trick of the light. What am I looking at here? And so he says he walks over toward the mirror. And this is really bizarre, right? Check this out. He walks over toward the mirror and he looks and he leans in. He starts moving his mouth back and forth. He's like, I'm sticking my tongue out. I'm moving my hands, blinking my eyes just to see if there's something wrong. He goes, I noticed that as I got closer to the mirror, my hair became its normal color. He's like, but then something reaches out from the mirror which looks like his hands, looks like like the boy in the mirror is him. Something reaches out and grabs him and starts to try to pull him into the mirror, and just then he wakes up. <laughs> and then he realizes that he was dreaming, and he was, but he was laying there on the ground. He starts kicking and screaming, and his brother and their friend that had come over to stay the night. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Which was a the cousin's friend. 
she's older than she's her age she's from school and they're like what's going on what's wrong and and so they wake him up they're like jason jason you know and he, he's like i wake up kicking and screaming and i'm i'm laying there next to them as they're playing monopoly so they had been playing till late and you know monopoly can go on forever yeah he's like so we're sitting there playing it's like two in the morning and i fell asleep it was a friday night he's like and they're having a sleepover you know with, with a couple of friends or whatever and he goes i wake up and I, and I had fallen asleep and there are these two older kids there, you know, and I don't, I don't know them that well and I'm embarrassed. And he said, I had peed my pants a little bit. <laughs> He's like, it was so scary. And so then they kind of started laughing and teasing him. These girls did. And his own brother who was just laughing, Ron's like, man, it was funny. You know, he peed himself. He like, he sits there, he goes, and he didn't pee himself while he was asleep. He sat there looking up at the ceiling and he started peeing and Jason's like, I don't remember peeing. I just remember I looked down and I did it. And so everybody's laughing. And then his cousin, she's like, get out of my room. That's gross. Go, go to the bathroom, whatever. And the thing was, he goes, dude, there was something wrong with that mirror. He's like, so that from that day forward, he never went back in her room. He never set foot in that room again because there was something going on with that mirror. Now what happened to Ron was even more terrifying. Um, Eventually, Stacy had so many bad dreams and so many weird things happened there and poltergeist activity, things going on. Uh, a stool that somebody had given her. She had like this Coca-Cola stool or something. It got it got sent flying across the room and went through a window in that room. And so she was like, let's trade rooms. And they're like, okay, um, no, let's not do that because <laughs> – they were terrified of that dresser because they knew the story, you know, what had happened to her, what had happened to them, blah, blah, blah. And so she told them, she's like, okay, well, I'll take the dresser and I'll put it in my room. So they start switching rooms and the grandmother vetoes it. She's like, no, she's like, no, 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 no. You know, we're not doing that. She's like, you're in your room and you're in your room. And, you know, Jason was like, thank goodness. Cause I was not going to, I wasn't going to stay in that room. He's like, I was going to help Ron move in that room, and I was going to sleep on the den. I was like, I'm not going to sleep in that room. Grandmother decides, we're not going to do that for whatever reason. To them, what they told me was that they think that their grandmother knew that this was centered around the, the their cousin and that the mirror had something to do with it, but she wasn't telling them the whole story. And they don't even know exactly where the mirror came from or how long it had been in the family. They just know that the grandmother had had it since she was young. So this is an old piece of, of furniture. And to me now, if you stop and you break this down, this whole story, okay, I think two things are going on here. I think that the mirror had something to do with this haunting. But I also think that the daughter, I think that, that Stacy was a conduit, like for this activity. That's my opinion. I don't know. Um, when I, when I talked to these guys, um, most of what Ron told me was like, he, he really believed that it centered around the mirror. But when I started pointing out that he didn't have a lot of experience and, and like, he didn't read a lot about stuff like this, hadn't taken as many reports as we have. And I told him, I said, what happens a lot of times is that there's a teenager involved in particular, a teenage female. And this mirror was probably already doing stuff because it, it had been causing problems since their you know, since, since their uh, mother was, was a kid. And the mother said that she didn't have all these weird stuff that happened to Stacy. It wasn't like a poltergeist type. You know, there was nobody being kicked and drug around a room or nothing like that. But I think sometimes, I don't know, these people will have an issue, like in a poltergeist type haunting, they'll have an issue with someone. Like they won't like you, right? And then this entity or whatever it is will attack you. Now, I don't know if it's something like a tulpic type situation where they created it or this entity latches onto them and they are symbiotically connected. Maybe it feels that negative energy being projected towards that person and it just kind of gravitates, rides it like a, like a, like a surfer riding a wave. I mean, they're opportunistic and they'll take their opportunities where they can find them, wherever they present themselves that they're like, okay, well, let's take advantage of this while it's here. Get while well, the getting's good. Yeah, get get a feast, right? Yeah. Anyway, that that's pretty much all that happened because after after another year had gone by, um, 
or I'm sorry, another couple months had gone by. Uh, but by, by the end of the year, they had moved out. Their mom had gotten them a place in another town. They moved a uh, few towns over to another area and the rest is history. And I asked him, I asked both of them. I spoke to Jason very little, but I mostly spoke to Ron. But one day Jason was there when he was talking and they have children now too. And um, their grandmother passed away a long time ago. And I asked Ron, I said, whatever happened to Stacy? He says, well, eventually she, she moved out when she was 17 and um, she was 17 going on 18. She moved out. And then when she was 19, she was married. And by 20, she'd had a child. And she has, she's been divorced twice. Nothing too out of the ordinary, but she's never had any weird, you know, she did live in an apartment temporarily where she thinks that there was, there was something going on there. Uh, they didn't know the whole story about it. And they gave me an, an information like to, to reach out to her and I never did get anything back. So I can't tell you anything about her other than what they told me. They still talk to her. They're still friends. They don't talk every day, but they get together on the holidays. Like I'm sure they'll be together on Thanksgiving. Um, but you know, I don't know what was going on with that. Like I said, the only thing I can, I can, I think what was happening was there was a, there was an, there was something there already. And when she came, it just, it, it was like, boom, combustion, you know? Yeah. And so I think that what happened was they were, it was like, you know, fire and gas and then boom, you know, it, I think it could have been a lot worse too. You know, I think the things that happened, they were all having bad dreams in that place, which is, you know, commonplace. They, uh, Ron had a really bad dream. I should tell you this one. He went to the restroom one time and he was sitting on the toilet and he was like, he was like, he was a kid, you know, he's like, I had to use the bathroom. And I do number two, and I couldn't. I was sitting there, I was trying to, you know. And he goes, and I fell asleep. He goes, I was so tired. You know, middle of the night, I woke up. He goes, and I, I wake up, and it's like time to go to school. And I'm like, oh, man, I've been sitting on the toilet all night. So he gets up, and he runs downstairs, and, and he realizes as he's running out to catch the bus, he's got no pants on. So he literally goes, and he gets on the bus with no pants on and all these kids are on the bus and they're looking at him and they're laughing and they're like, what the heck is wrong with this kid? He just grabbed his lunch because his grandmother was nice and would make him his lunch and his mother would, would go to work. His mother works seven days a week. Uh, they said a grocery store. But anyway, he runs outside and he tries to get on the bus and it was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened in his life. And then as the kids are pointing and jeering and laughing, he wakes up and he's in his bed and the whole thing never happened. <laughs> but he said it was more real than anything he's ever experienced. He's like, dude. And I told him, I said, that's weird about dreams because sometimes the dreams, it's like, like I've said on the live stream, we were talking about them on Friday. I was like talking about how it's, it's like you're in a dream state that it's not quite as realistic as this. But then when you're out of your body, if that's ever happened to any of you, you are in a state that's more real than real. And sometimes they kind of blend together. You'll you'll be kind of in that dream state, then you're in this really real state. And and I've had to question myself in the dream state if what I'm doing is real. I'm like, is this real? Is this a dream? Now, one thing I know is in my waking life, like right now while I'm talking, I've never had to stop and go, am I dreaming? Is this a dream? So whenever that happens and I have to question myself if it's a dream or not, this is what I know. I know that when I have to do that, that's a cue to me automatically that it is a dream. So I'm like, oh, shoot. If I'm asking myself that, then yeah, that's a dream. So I have this situation where uh, I've experienced various levels of reality. Internet, you know, when you're in your body, out of your body, whatever. And I don't know if anybody else that's out there listening has had this situation similar to mine. But these kids that were living in that house definitely did. And, you know, the thing with the mirror, there was something that was there with that mirror. And it was there before their cousin Stacy got there. And I think that um, that she just kind of acted, like I said, as a conduit for whatever was there. And it made it poltergeist-like. And the last thing I'm going to say about this case before I move on, she was thinking very bad thoughts, uh, you know, towards, you know, her aunt's husband when he got attacked and thrown all over the, the kitchen. 
So I don't know if she triggered it. It could be. Something caused him to be thrown around the room, and it may not have been as simple as a, a ghost. Like like I said, you know, th- there are cases of like, you know, like to- a tulpa maybe is created by somebody because the, the person that they're upset with, their aggression is directed toward that person. I think that this this story and this this series of events points towards a poltergeist. There, like I said, there was something there already, and this person she ended up being like a conduit because it's not a coincidence that that, that you know that the, the person that they're, they're upset with gets attacked. Um, the boys attacking the dog. Yeah. You know, and then something happens to him. You know, she was there when that happened. The the uncle comes over, aggressive. He gets attacked. Uh, just, you know, and then, of course, them just seeing her levitating off the ground and whatever else. I mean, it's obvious that there was something there. So, anyway, that's that situation. And that's a, that's a poltergeist story, I guess, you know. And it it is... You oftentimes in, in these stories, you get like these mirrors and dreams and I, I, I could do a whole show just on mirrors and, and a whole show just on dreams. But this next one, I'm going to tell you, this one happened uh, in Massachusetts and the woman that this happened to her, she had lost her husband, but it was weird because like for two years after she lost her husband, there was nothing, nothing went on, nothing happened. And then one day she hear her husband had this El Camino car that he really loved, and it starts. She hears this revving of this engine, like rawr, 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 in the driveway, and she wakes up and that that she looks out the window of her bedroom, and there's the El Camino, and it's you know she hears it, and she can see you know that it's you know that's on, so she gets out of bed you know or get or leaves the leaves the room. Goes down the stairs, you know, puts on her sweater, whatever, walks outside, and there in the car is her husband. And she walks up to him. We'll call him Hank. And then she walks up to him and she's like, Hank, what are you doing? And he turns to go look at her and he opens the door, like to the car. She sees that he has no legs. It's just a torso. And then he had this little hat, like a derby hat that she said he would he liked to wear. And um, he turns and he looks at her and he smiles real big. And she said that when he opened his mouth, it was just like a black hole and his eyes were green. Not green as in like, you know, your eyes are green, but yeah, like glowing, like glowing, green. Green. Yeah, glowing green, like radioactive. That's her, her words even. She said that it was like radioactive green color. And she says, I, I, I look at him and she's like, I'm sitting here observing him and she's like and then he lunges toward me like with his hand uncharacteristic of him and she falls backwards and then she wakes up and she's in her bed so that was the beginning of what i can only describe as a series of events that that centered around what at first she thought was her husband um I told her too, you know, like I, I honestly gave her my honest opinion. I have a pretty cut and dry what I believe this was, but uh, I'm going to hold off on that for a minute. She had another encounter where her dog was going and sitting in front of a mirror and whining. She had this big, long, long full-bodied mirror, and it was one of those that, that kind of flips around. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the wooden frame, and they just flip around. Yeah. I don't know what the point is, but anyway, women love them. And and so there's this dog that she had that that was Hank's dog. And the dog was never the same after Hank died. Dog's name was Skipper. And Skipper was never like, okay. Like he was never normal again. He was five years old when Hank passed away. And then the dog passed away five years later. So at the midway point of his life, and then he never really got over the loss of his owner. She was good friends with him and their other dog, Buddy, but Skipper was really Hank's dog. They were very close. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And he was a golden retriever mix. And she said that he would sleep there at the foot of the bed. And then in the middle of the night, he would start to whine. But this thing that he started doing, like, was right after she had that dream, two years after her husband had died. And he started going over to that that mirror. And he would lay in front of it and whine. And then sometimes he would get excited. And it would look like he was running back and forth around the mirror, running around in circles, and running side to side like he was looking at something in the mirror. One day, when the dog was doing this, she goes over there and she's like, Skip, what are you doing? And she's like, she's like, I'm I'm she, I barely finished the sentence. I couldn't even finish the sentence. I look and there's there is my husband standing there in the mirror, dressed all in black, and the clothes that he was buried in. And she said that she sees him and she's like, he's looking down at the dog, and then he looks up at me and she says, he gets this really wickedly evil grin on his face and he starts like beckoning her to come toward him, like come toward the mirror. And so she's repulsed by this. She's like, I'm not happy to see him. This isn't like, I don't feel like this is him. Yeah, it's definitely not. And so she backs off and she's like, I don't know what this is. And I said, well, it's definitely like a doppelganger, you know, that's for sure. And she looks again and he's like, he's gone. When another another thing that happened, she was sitting on the edge of her bed and she was doing, she had, she did this cross stitch and I, she asked me if I knew what that was. I said, yeah, and my mom used to do that. Um, but she was sitting on the edge of the bed. She was doing cross stitch and she had her granddaughter there and she was teaching her how to do it. Her granddaughter was a little kid, like eight, nine years old. And she said that, you know, the granddaughter looks up and she remembers Papa, her grandpa. And she's like, Papa. And he, she, she, and she's like, you know, like I said, the eight, nine year old kid. She, he died when she was a little bit younger, but she she remembers him. And she looks and she turns and she looks toward the uh, the bedroom door where the bedroom or the the entrance to the bedroom. And she's like, for a split second, he was standing there. And he goes, and I looked, and we both looked at each other, and she was like, "Grandma, I'm scared." So then she starts hugging her grandmother and crying. Well, that night. The granddaughter went to sleep and she had an older sister that stayed with them too. Like when, you know, when they would come over, she was a little, you know, more mature and she was like, she was like 14 or something. And she slept downstairs on the couch and was always on the phone talking to other teenagers. Um, this is back before cell phones. And she said, you know, the, the other granddaughter, she's like, she was always downstairs and just doing stuff or getting on the computer or whatever. Um, they had computers, they had a computer, but they, they didn't have cell phone yet. And, you know, <clears throat> she said it, didn't, it wasn't that they didn't exist. It just weren't, they weren't like everybody didn't have one and she didn't like technology at all. And so a, another summer goes by after this incident where they see him like another year or whatever, or, or whatever goes by. And at this point, her, her granddaughter comes over the older one and she's got a cell phone. And she said that Hank was very anti-technology. Uh, so she comes over. She's talking on the cell phone. She said that she hears her daughter scream, and then she she runs into the room. And she said that her grandfather had called her cell phone. And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, Papa called me. And he told me to stop talking on the phone so much. And it was his voice. <laughs> and she's like, are you sure? She's like, I'm positive. She's like, it was him. And so then she looks at the number on there and the number was from their house to her cell phone. That's disturbing. So that, that was really, really, yeah, really disturbing. And another thing too, like he had the, this, you know, he had these certain proclivities and he liked pistachio ice cream and they always had a, a, a couple of pints or a gallon of it in the or half gallon, whatever it is in the freezer. And she said, when he passed away, there was a half gallon in there. She's like, I couldn't bring myself to throw it out. So I just left it in there. And then one day the kids had a friend come over 
that lived down the street, you know, and they got into the ice cream. Well, while they were eating the ice cream, which was, you know, over two years old, probably not very yeah. good, you know, two or three years old, they, the, one of them's bowl like goes flying off the table, the spoon flips up in the air and kind of slowly comes down like unnaturally. And these three kids see this, the bowl of ice cream goes flying across the room, hits the floor and then slides, literally goes out the doggy door. And there's like ice cream all over the kitchen. And so then she goes out on the patio. And at this point, she says, I don't know what to think of this. She's like, so I started trying to talk to him. And I said, Hank, I don't know why you're here. I don't know what you want, but you need to leave. This is not. And then she she said, that's when it really dawned on her. You know, it's like she thought it before, but she wanted to, to be so bad. And she said that she's like, I, I knew this wasn't him. She asked me at this point what I thought. And I told her, I said, you know what I think it was? She's like, what? And I told her, I said, it was a demon. Like pretending to be your your late husband. Yeah. Like literally a, a demon man. And I'm, I'm not a person that just like, we've talked about this before, where everything is a demon. Like there's a demon here, a demon everywhere, a demon. But this thing, I believe that that's what it was. And we've heard stories of this before. Everybody's probably in this in this audience has heard stories where these things masquerade as spirits of the deceased. Right. So did this did this start when she got that mirror, or did she have this mirror the whole time? Oh, the mirror was already there. Okay. Now, and I'll get to that in a minute. Because I don't get why it would take two years to decide. two years. Yeah. See, that's the thing. There's no rhyme or reason behind that because I asked her and, and we couldn't come up with anything. I said it was two years. She said it was two years and two days. Maybe someone sent it to her. That's what I wondered. Two years and two days. She's like, it was two days after the an the anniversary of his of his passing when she had the dream about the El Camino. Here's what I think, Anthony. And then you at, the ho at home, take a journey with me for a second here. I asked her. I said, Murray, we'll, we'll call her Miriam. That's not her real name, but it's close. I said, Miriam, let me ask you a question. On the day when he passed away, which a lot of people do, were you in mourning? Did you think about him and dwell on it? And she said, yes, I did. She said, I was, I was dwelling on it and thinking on it, you know, and, and she goes, and I, and I slept the day of, and the next day, all I did was sleep. Now, you remember when we talked about this story, now here's another thing about that. On the night of the, the the dream, which would have been the second day after his passing, she had sort of like a sinus cold or whatever that started coming on. Remember I told you she drank NyQuil? Yeah. And she drank like, she said she took more, like a one and a half doses. Oh, okay. And she just slept. And I said, and I asked her this question. I had a weird feeling about it. And I said, let me ask you a question, Miriam. I said, were you really feeling that ill that you felt like you needed to take two doses or whatever, or a dose and a half, whatever it was? And she says, you know, honestly, Josh, I don't think so. She's like, I think I was just self-medicating so I could just sleep, not feel it. Yeah. But you and I both know, and you want to tell the audience what you told me when we went over this case about taking that stuff. There's actually like a quite a disturbing subculture on the internet, but just in real life of people who use uh, cough syrup as a, as a recreational drug because an active ingredient uh, in it. And I always forget how to pronounce Dextrothymorphin. it. Dextrothymorphin. What is it? Dextrothymorphin, I believe is how There it is. In, in high enough doses, people have reported like out-of-body experiences, um, visions of like other worlds. Uh, one guy's... Uh, one guy took it so far because he he was writing a book on uh, altered state of consciousness that he said he was out of his body, astral projecting, and that he wandered so far that he ran into these beings, which he only only referred to as the dream police. And all he said in his book was that there were like sentries that would forbid you from going certain places. That's the only description he gave of them. And he said that there was a lot more that he could use to describe them and what they were like. But that these things were so intimidating and they, they threatened him so vehemently not to disclose anything that all he would say was just what their job was and just what he called them. But that and uh, the active ingredient in uh, Benadryl, there's another subculture of abusing Benadryl and it's a delirium. And Benadryl in particular 
the active ingredient in that makes people see their visions or hallucinations, the things they see are always, every single time, they're always like very negative, very evil, very uh, terrifying. So if someone's not used to taking NyQuil and, and they just take like two doses or it, when they overdose themselves and they have a very low tolerance for it, I don't think that when people are in altered states of mind that everything they see is just uh, is a hallucination. I think that they see things that they don't normally see specifically because the, their brain chemistry is, is changing because you don't, you don't actually see with your eyes, you see with your brain. The eyes are just there to intake visual information. The brain then processes it and turns that inf information into an image that you can comprehend. So if your brain chemistry has changed, then you're probably going to see things that are, are real, <laughs> that are really there. Not everything is a hallucination on these substances. Dext dextro no, got me got me saying it wrong. Dextromethorphan. It's called dextromethorphan. That's how you say it. But dextromethorphan is one of those drugs where I mean, and it it it, it can cause seizures, brain damage. Oh yeah, death. I mean, it can mm -hmm. kill you. Um, and especially in high doses. But people take it like it's some kind of recreational thing or whatever. You know, she said that she didn't know if that had anything to do with the dream, but it, it is weird. The second year that he had passed away, she said it was even harder than the year before. She's like the year before, like her her daughter and her son had come and, and been there with her and these, her, her sister came and they kind of like kept her company. The second year, yeah. she was like her sister had come that day, but then, they, then she left and then her son had called her. But that was it, you know, and she, I mean, she took it, it was a lot harder. Yeah. And so, you know, you fast forward to, to, you know, this several months go by after this, these series of events were taking place. Here's a weird thing too. Whenever she had this, this dream, this was a dream. She woke up and she couldn't believe what she had just, that it just happened to her. And she looks and she sees on the floor, there's dirt all over the floor. Which was just disturbing. It was actual dirt. Like she went and had to like sweep it up and everything. Yeah. And the dirt were like kind of like footprints, like the size and shape of footprints, but not real specific, you know? Yeah. And it led to that mirror. Oh, gross. And, and she said that it went right up to the edge of her bed. Now, here's the thing. She wakes up after she sees these footprints going into the mirror she wakes up and she's like, oh, it was a dream. She looks over and she sees her husband in that mirror staring at her, but he looks like a skeleton wearing his clothing. And she screams and the dog like runs into the room, like the little dog. She's her little dog buddy starts growling at something that he's kind of like going toward and then it looks like somebody or something shoves him and he goes flying kind of like across the hardwood floor and hits the wall. Not hard, but enough to where it, it startled him and he got scared and yelped and ran out of the room. And the other dog, Skipper, was under the bed whining. And she's like, she gets up off the bed. She She's like, I couldn't believe that I had just dreamed this. And then I look, but there is the dirt still leading up to the mirror. Yeah. And that's when she began to sweep it up and she didn't know what to make of it. And the the last thing that happened before she was she finally did something about it. Her and her youngest granddaughter were asleep in the bedroom. And this one is she's little, she's like four years old. And she started crying. This was her son's daughter. And she's like, Mima, something's wrong. She's like, she's like, I keep hearing Papa trying to get me to go play with him under the bed. Now, she would have been too young to really remember him. But she always claimed, even now to this day, when she's like older now, she remembers, you know, her, her Papa basically like her whole life. He was there. Like always. And she's like, she's like, Papa wants me to play with him under the bed. But it's not Papa. He's just wearing Papa's hat. <laughs> so she's like, well, there's nothing under the bed. And so she leans on the other side of the bed and she sees 
what looks like her husband in a decayed state. And he reaches over and tries to grab her face. And it's like this half flesh zombie hand. So she jumps back up onto the bed and the little granddaughter's just kind of sitting there looking at her, like waiting for a reaction. And she's like, we got to go. So she grabs her and they run out of the room and she's like, Papa's following us. And she turns around and she doesn't see anything. But then she looks in that mirror and she sees him in that mirror, like walking toward them. Thing is insidious. Yeah. And then, so she gets rid of the mirror. Um, well, she had, let's put it this way. that The next day, the, the grandkids leave. She decides that she's going to get rid of the mirror because maybe that's acting as some sort of conduit. And she says, that was the last time she saw anything. She's like, I was sitting there on the edge of my bed, putting on my slippers, getting ready to start my day. And I see something walk by my, my bedroom. And I, I knew it was Hank. It looked like him. And she's like, oh, my gosh. So then she's just like, I'm going to get rid of this mirror. And she goes, and that night she'd had a dream. And in the dream, Hank, her husband, was pleading with her not to get rid of the mirror. And she was just like, you're not Hank. And she said when she did in the dream, the the pieces of the mirror just like fell onto the ground. That was a dream. Yeah. But she said you thought it was symbolic. I said, I do too. And so she took the mirror and had her son come and, and they loaded it up in the truck and they took it and they dumped it. Um, and I said, did that stop? And she says, yeah. She says, yeah. And I prayed. She goes, and I had a friend of mine from church who gave me, um, she's like, they don't go to our church, you know, but she's like, they gave me a rosary and some holy water. I went room to room with the holy water. And then she said that a friend of hers down the road told her to put rock salt in the corners. I said, that's a very good idea. And she did that. And um, she had these two crystals that she put up in the bedrooms. And on each bedroom, she had two crystals. And a couple of them turned black. So, I don't know. But that was the end of it. That was it. There was no more disturbances. And she went on with her life. She's like, I miss him every day. I miss him. You know, she's like, but I moved on with my life. He did die suddenly. And he did die kind of young. He had a heart attack. And it was, you know. You know, not not that old. I mean, you know, he he died, and it was just. She's like, it was hard. You know, it was just, it was all of a sudden, and boom, you know, it was over. I can't imagine her pain, but I think that the fact that she was grieving so deeply and for for such a long time, that she probably kind of fell into this emotional trap, which which is only human to fall into, where you fall into this like spiral of despair. It's like it, it's okay to be sad. It, it's okay, it's okay to grieve, but but whenever you stay there for for such a long time, I think you you open yourself up spiritually to to things that can come in and take advantage of that. It's like your guard is down because you're you, you're not in your right. Uh, you're not centered. You know, like you're off. You're off balance. You know, and, and she asked me what I thought would trigger something like this. <clears throat> And I told her there were multiple things, multiple things. I think that it was her grief that drew something in and maybe created, once again, maybe created something or had gave something life that was already like kind of blossoming there in a bad way. Because she had had that mirror for years and there was nothing going on with it. Yeah. Two years after he died. Maybe in her grief, she would tell herself like, I wish my husband was here. I wish I had him back. You know, I, I wish this, I wish that. The saying, be careful what you wish for is a very true one because I think that when you dwell on, on these wishes or, or mentally or if you speak them, something might hear that and come along and take advantage of, of that and not necessarily grant your wish, but kind of like twist it, make it to where you have like a cursed version of, of what it is that you want. Yeah, and, and I can't tell you 100% what was going on with this situation here, this case, but uh, definitely, I mean, it's food for thought. I mean, you can, you know, I believe it was a spirit of some kind that was masquerading and was just getting energy and taking it from everybody around them, you know, like her and her granddaughters and, you know, whoever would come over. Yeah. Her grandchildren, her son, her daughter, whatever. Even her sister, there was a, a really quick, there was a story where her sister was sitting on the couch 
<clears throat> and she thought that she saw her husband, which was her, her, her brother-in-law. She's like, I thought I saw, you know, Hank in the kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, from the, from the dining room or the den. And she was like, but I knew it wasn't him, you know. And so other people were seeing it too. It wasn't just her. So there was something there. If it was just her seeing it, it was no one else, you might think there's some kind of psychosis or mental break. But when you had the grandchildren having the situation and her own son claimed to have seen something in the window one time, what he saw was like a shadow person though, you know. Yeah. But that was it. But then her sister saw him in the kitchen, you know, I mean, weird, weird stuff, you know. So, folks, that's all the time we have for Paranormal Roundtable uh, for me and Anthony here at PRT. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you want to be a Patreon supporter, that would be great. Or if you want to uh, check out the live stream. We're on every Friday and Sunday, and we also do uh, the discussions with guests on Thursday. Every Thursday and Friday we have guests, and so, but Friday and Sunday are YouTube exclusives. Go check us out. Thank you, and you have a good night. Good night.